Broadcasting from the Mid-Migration Outfitter Studios, this is the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast. How much direction are you getting from the governor? Minnesota DNR had reintroduced him into this area. I don't know, maybe he didn't want me to tell the story on the show, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I I knew you were going to go there. We're going to close the entire hunting season. Oh, really? The Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. By Hay Bale Heights on Devil's Lake. Visit haybaleheights.com for more. By Ottertail County. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And by Lake of the Woods Tourism. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Thanks for watching or listening. I'm Brett Amundsen. If you're listening to this station, I appreciate that on the network, on the radio show. Maybe you're streaming it on demand or uh, downloading the podcast. Maybe you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, or Rumble. Thank you. Make sure to check out our store. Get yourself one of these really cool hoodies. Where am I? I'm on the wrong side here. I hunt and always will. Show off your uh, unflinching attitude towards the tradition of outdoor sports, whether it be hunting, fishing, maybe it's shooting sports. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Our next guest here on the show is somebody we met, Dan, over in Michigan. We were at the uh, Aglow Conference, and uh, we started talking to this dude about um, some of these rifles. And I was like, man, these are these are some sweet guns. And we got to talking a little bit. And uh, this guy knows how, not only does he know his guns, he knows how to use them. And we're going to talk about that right now. Dustin Sanchez joins us here on the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, you li- like us here. You wear a lot of hats. You do a lot of uh, a lot of different things in a lot of different spaces. Uh, explain to our audience what you do. <laughs> uh, well, my primary job, what pays the bills and uh, keeps me out of trouble with my wife, is uh, I'm the marketing <laughs> manager here at Real Avid. Uh, we're located in Plymouth, Minnesota. We make a bunch of cleaning tools and uh, just tools if you're wanting to build rifles. We make a lot of that stuff. So that keeps me pretty busy. I'm also the uh, marketing director for a company called Hunter's HD Gold. We make shooting lenses. And, uh, you know, we stay pretty busy there. He attends about probably 42 major matches a year and doing stuff. So I'll travel around with him on that part. I uh, just picked up something new where I'm actually an agent for a shooter. So I'm working on getting that person sponsored and setting up their match schedule and making sure they, uh, you know, kind of hold a certain, um, I guess, uh, personality throughout the shooting season. And then I have, uh, I'm sponsored by a couple of companies and I travel the nation and I shoot matches. I primarily was known for three gun and I made a move into long range shooting and I've done some stuff with the tactical games. So, uh, yeah, man, everything I do is based around the firearm industry. Uh, real avid's a neat company, a Minnesota company. Tell us about real avid. Yeah. So, uh, real avid actually started out as a marketing agency. They were doing some stuff, uh, within the hunting, uh, realm. And they just started noticing that there was a need for certain guns or gun tools and things like that. So, uh, they just created a tool one day, like a little multi-tool that blew up at one tool of the year through shot show and a couple other magazines and organizations. And the company really grew from there. It kind of started around 2012. I was introduced to real avid in 2014 when they picked me up as a sponsored shooter. I started using a lot of their tools, working a lot with their, uh, product development team. 
at that time, I was actually a gunsmith building rifles at JP Rifles. And, um, you know, I just stayed with them, built a relationship. And whenever I decided to make a move from JP, I, I just stopped by Real Avid and talked to them one day. They hired me on the spot. And uh, now I get to do all this cool stuff, go to the range and shoot guns, come back here and give them to somebody. And they clean the guns for me as they're testing our new products. And uh, they need rifles built. I get to build them here. And this is like our studio. They're getting ready to build me a shop so we can do more builds and uh, just really diving deep into that firearm industry. So if you're a competitive shooter, you're law enforcement, military, or even a hunter like yourself, we're trying to cover the gamut of all the tools that you would need, whether it's something that stays on a bench at home or you can throw in a pack with you when you go out for, you know, a a longer elk hunt and you got to travel, you know, through the woods. I don't want to get into politics too much here but i made a joke on facebook after uh the day that they were gonna read the verdict for the kyle rittenhouse trial and i i said because uh, i predicted riots for sure i figured he would be acquitted and i i figured or not guilty and i figured there'd be riots over there i'm, I'm glad that there weren't mm-hmm. um but i made the joke on facebook i said maybe the opening day of the gun deer season in wisconsin isn't the best time to start start riding in wisconsin <laughs> And yeah. that jo- that's because Wisconsin's been called the eighth largest army in the world during the gun deer season when there's whatever, 650,000, uh, you know, <laughs> guys carrying rifles through the woods. But, yeah. and, and I'm not advocating for violence. I'm not saying whatever, but people are going to be armed and going to defend themselves and as they should, mm-hmm. rightfully so. And that reminded me, though, of a story that you told me about when the riots were going on in Minneapolis uh, and you live, you live in Uptown. I live where, in Uptown, Minneapolis. Yeah. Where a lot of this stuff was going on and a lot of your neighbors kind of like you were, you were basically, you, they were kind of calling on you to protect the neighborhood a little bit. Yeah. So, um, where George Floyd happened, I'm probably about a mile and a half from George Floyd, uh, where that happened. The precinct that burned down is about two miles from my house. And the precinct they tried to burn down the next night is actually the precinct that I would, you know, that, you know, that is uh, supposed to protect and serve my neighborhood. And that's about three quarters of a mile from my house. And then uh, where I live is, uh, it used to be uh, before the riots, it's not anymore, but it used to be a pretty thriving little community. Uh, A lot of mom and pop shops. We had bigger shops like we had Apple, Columbia, a couple of the bigger corporations in there as well. So, a lot of people would spend time there, and man, when the riots happened, all those stores uh, they got they got emptied. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's a it's a bad deal. Uh, no no question about it. But uh, it just goes to show that having again not advocating advocating for any violence, of course, but having the ability yeah. to defend yourself is such an important uh, uh, aspect of, of daily life. It seems like in this America right now. So um, it's, I'm sure your, your neighbors were glad that you were there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will say this. Uh, there was a, at, at some point there was a time when my neighborhood was um, they had actually published a magazine saying it was probably the most liberal neighborhood in the United States. Wow. So when everything happened, um, I, I, there might have been three people that owned firearms in that, in that neighborhood. Uh, my wife and I were part of those three people. Um, there may have been one other guy. Some guys, you know, they had some pellet guns and stuff like that, but nothing else. So 
you know, we went out and we were like, when everything happened, I just kind of walked out there. A lot of my neighbors, we walked out there and we're watching all these buildings being rioted. And some of my neighbors like, well, you know, we need to call the cops. I'm like, we already called them. They're, they're not coming. Right. They, they are so busy with stuff going across, going on across the, the city. They don't, they're, they're just, they don't have the manpower to do this. So they're like, well, you know, I guess we're just going to sit here and watch them. I'm like, that's all you can do, right? Like, what's seven to eight people going to do with uh, an entire, I mean, there was probably 200, 300 people out in the streets robbing everything. And it wasn't until there was a lady that was across the street. She started videotaping it with her cell phone. And uh, this guy uh, charged her and grabbed her by her throat, picked her up and threw her down on the ground, started punching her face. And then at that point it was, uh, time to stop, right? Time to get involved. And my wife and I ran out there and, um, you know, a lot of people have asked me, well, your wife followed you out there. And it's like, yeah, there's only really one person in that neighborhood that I knew would not run away from the situation if I needed help. And though I don't want it to be my wife, uh, you know, that is my best friend. That is my partner in crime and everything I do. So I knew that for 100%, she would support me and try to, you know, make sure nothing bad happened to me and vice versa for her. But uh, we got out there. We shut that situation down. And um, after that, it really escalated. We had a couple of guns pointed at us. And so, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I tell people, unfortunately, I had to grab my firearms. I had to arm up and go out there, and we shut the block down. And since then, uh, since George Floyd, I've had about 37 firearms pointed at me. A lot of it happened during the George Floyd riots, uh, but it's continued to go on. You know, we had Dante Wright incident that happened here. Then we had the stuff with Kyle Rittenhouse. So we've had a couple of times that we've had some little riots and, up, you know, up kicks. And um, it's been a different, been different. You know, I, I've had a lot of friends that were like, well, how do you think Kyle was able to do that? He went out there with his guns. And I've told him, I'm like, you know, there's not a big difference between what happened with Kyle and what happened with me. I was out there with my firearm. However, you know, I have neighbors, I, we had neighbors that left, but I also have neighbors that depend on public transportation. They have nowhere else to go. Um, so are we going to let their buildings burn down? Are we going to let them be robbed and their houses broken into and vandalized? So, yeah, we, we had to shut our blocks down, and um, I, I, used my, I used my competition AR. Um, you know, I've had the most rounds through that, so that's what I grabbed. That's what I trust. So I was out there with that, and I had, uh, you know, my Atlas uh, – carry gun with me. We shut it down. And I tell people, Kyle had a bad night. Things went wrong. I got lucky. I was able to keep my cool. And I had a lot more people around me that could support me. So I wouldn't have to be uh, the one that just went through trial like that guy. So I, I definitely understand where he's coming from, but I also feel for him at the same time. Well, it, yeah, that's uh, man. No. Yeah. We could go down a, a long road talking about that situation. No doubt is it's, it's not yeah. pe people think that the people on the right are celebrating, you know, this Kyle Rittenhouse. And obviously uh, nobody ever wants anybody to go through that situation. He didn't want to shoot anybody, obviously, is is just yeah. a bad deal. Bad deal all around. Anyway, um, let's talk about the fact that you are a competition shooter, you talk about your competition rifle yeah. and, and you know, how think about that. Like uh, somebody trying to, trying to rob and loot or riot and come in, you know, come into contact with somebody that's a competitive shooter. That's, that's like when somebody tries to rob an MMA fighter <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they end up on the losing end of that yeah. battle. But um, uh, how long have you been competitively shooting? 
I really dove deep into it in 2012. Uh, that was kind of when I was like, all right, I want to do this. I shot my first major then, um, which was uh, that, that's why I consider that's when I really dove into it. Was 2012 was that's when I shot my first major match, which is, I've, you know, I've shot some local matches, but until you go shoot a major match, you really have no idea what you're getting into. You know, you uh, you go to a local match and you take, you know, 100 rounds per gun. Uh, per firearm to shoot and then you go to a major and you're taking 500 rounds and you you come home with uh you know if you were a sloppy shooter as i was at that time i came home with maybe 100 rounds per gun left you know uh i missed a lot at that match and that's when i was like okay i I need to step up my game i really need to train i need to put a lot more time and effort into into training and and what i do so yeah it's it's been a fun ride for sure is that what's fueled your interest and your passion in, in building rifles and, uh, and being around more firearms, or did you have that anyway? Uh, you know, I grew up in Texas, so uh, we grew up shooting guns all the time. But I kind of fell into being, a, you know, I, I worked for Caterpillar for years. I, turned, I think I started building my first show car when I was 13. And by the time I was 29, I'd been doing that for over half my life. And I was like, all right, I'm done. I need to find something new. And um, I got lucky enough that over the next couple of years, I just fell into the, com- you know, the competitive scene. And uh, one of my friends called me and he's like, hey, we're hiring here at, at JP Rifles. Are you interested? And I show up there and um, I just got thrown right into building rifles. They started teaching me everything I needed to know there. And um, that's really when the fire like really started going like, hey, this is actually what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be in the firearm industry. I want to hang out with like-minded people. I want to travel the world or, you know, at least the country and, and shoot competition matches and uh, try to improve my skills in shooting. And I love it. I'm a competitive guy in general, right? Like I, I, my wife and I will be playing dominoes and if she beats me in dominoes, <laughs> I get upset. So, uh, yeah. So, what? Yeah. One of the big discussions these days is what's the best round out there. What are you, what's your, what's your competition rifle? What are you shooting through it? So it depends on what I'm shooting. Uh, if I'm shooting three gun, I'm usually shooting in the heavy metal division, which is a pump shotgun. It used to be a 45 caliber. So I carried a 1911 and 45. Now it's moved to nine millimeter. And then the AR was a 308. So I, I would shoot a 308 in that. Um, I've really backed away from the 308. I think it's a, a great round, and it'll probably be around forever. But when I really started looking at I want to shoot long range, I wanted to be accurate, I moved into a 6-millimeter Creedmoor. And that's still not the top uh, round out there, but as far as competition loads, like I, I can buy from, you know, uh, let's say Shields or whoever you want to go to, I can buy factory re- or factory loads from my Cornady or Federal from somebody for my 6 Creedmoor. Uh, and then, you know, there's a lot of components out there to reload. So that's what I shoot now. Uh, this next year, I'm going to shoot a couple more Hunter Series matches. So I've got to walk out there with my pack, range all of my gear, or like range my targets and engage them and actually put a power factor on the rifle. So uh, I'm actually going to put a Begara 6.5 Creedmoor into my JP APAC chassis. And uh, that I'm going to shoot probably 147 grains out of there. So uh, I don't think there's really like a perfect round or the best round. I think it depends on the sport or the application that it's being used in. I definitely wouldn't use a six Creed or a six five for home protection. Uh, you know, I, if I had to really get down into it, I'd 
I, I prefer to use my pistol. I'm a little bit more mobile with that, but I'd probably end up going with my two, two, three that I've, I've used and that thing's suppressed and ready to go. Six millimeter Creedmoor. You don't hear about that round too often. You hear about the six. No, it's mainly, uh, yeah, six Creedmoor just kind of jumped on the scene and it's more of a competition round. I mean, it's, 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 it's equivalent to a 243. Um, I run, you know, when I'm reloading, I'm shooting 243 projectiles out of it. Um, I'm pushing them anywhere from 2,900 feet per second to 3,200 feet per second, depending on what I'm trying to get out of that, what powder I'm running when I'm reloading them. Uh, so, yeah, you, you'll hear a lot more people hunting and stuff with the 6.5, but the 6 Creedmoor, the ballistics of the 6 Creedmoor is way better than the ballistics of a 6.5. Hmm. Only issue is, like, that, that rifle that you saw at Aglow, uh, that barrel will be shot out at 1,500 rounds. I got to replace it. 6.5 Creedmoor, I can get a little over 3,000 rounds through it. So your everyday typical guy that's going to go out and shoot 100 rounds here and 100 rounds there, that 6.5 Creedmoor will last him almost his entire life. I, so I shot uh, three majors out of that barrel, and it was done. Um, you know, the, the majors are 200 rounds per match, and then, you know, I'll probably shoot 100 rounds uh, before the match, if not more, and then get some testing in. So... Uh, yeah, next year I've got 24 majors on my schedule. Given my work, you know, my work schedule and stuff, I'll have to back out of some of those. So I project I'll probably be running and I'll probably shoot through two barrels next year is uh, mm. kind of how it's looking. Dang, that's crazy. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of work. I've, I've uh, you know, especially right now trying to get parts and everything. I've got mm. two barrels sitting at home that are barrel blanks that I have to send up to the, the smith get them to do all the work so they're ready to go. So as soon as I shoot a barrel out, I can pull a barrel and throw it in there. So for somebody out there that's thinking about getting into competitive shooting, what would you tell them? Do it, 100%. Uh, if you like firearms, you want to be more, in, and you want to be more, um, you know, more, I, I guess let's say accurate, more comfortable around your firearms, truly understand uh, ballistics and, and things like that. I, I say jump into competition shooting right away. It's going to be the closest thing uh, that's ever going to put you into that position of if somebody was to break into your house, you know, your nerves are going to spike uh, and, and your adrenaline spikes. Everything's just going to get shot. You're going to have that. You know, there's a, a, a funny thing. Everybody's like, yeah, go up to my first stage. I knew the whole thing. I knew exactly what I was going to do on the stage. The buzzer goes off and I'm just standing there because I don't even know what I'm supposed to do anymore. Like, it's like you d dump all the information. So the more you do that, the more you just become, you know, uh, familiar with your firearms, what you need to do. I've uh, watched videos where I'm like, I didn't even know I reloaded my pistol right there. It was just one of those things where you're shooting and you become, you start to become so aware with how many rounds are being downrange, what's going on, that you're doing mag changes as you're running from one target to the next. Uh, Almost so muscle memory uh, at that point. It, yeah, it becomes a lot of muscle memory. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it, especially I, I always tell people if you're into, you know, hunting with a rifle, getting into some of these long range matches will definitely, you know, if you can shoot the rifle that you're going to be using for hunting, you will understand exactly what that projectile is doing from 50 yards all the way out to depending on what match you shoot, it could go all the way out to 1200 yards. You'll, you'll really know what's going on. And you should have proper eyewear when you're shooting at all yes, times, you, right? Okay, yes, so yeah, these, yeah. these glasses that I'm wearing, Dustin, these are Hunter's HD gold lenses in these glasses, right? Yeah. Tell us 
I'll, I'll give you my review of these glasses. Tell us what, what, uh, what we're looking at here, though. What are these? All right, so those are a, uh, a lens that's developed, uh, created out of a company called Hunter's HD Gold. They're based in Alabama. Uh, they've been family-owned for a little, around 50 years. And what it is is they're just taking a Trivex lens. Um, so a lot of people are familiar with plastic lenses or like a polycarbonate. So they take Trivex lens, which will allow 43% more light in than a polycarbonate. So even if I'm looking at a polycarbonate lens that's clear and a Trivex lens, the Trivex lens that's clear is already going to allow in 43% more light. So as a hunter or a competition shooter, what I want to do is I want to allow in the, as much light as possible so that I, I have a clear target. Um, and that's what the Hunter HD Gold does. Now, the ones that you're wearing, they're gold. So the gold actually makes the contrast pop a little bit more. So if I'm walking out on a stage and I'm shooting the whites compared to the background, even on a cloudy day, I'm going to be able to see the target pop a lot more. Or let's say I'm shooting a brown, you know, like a, the, the brown Ipsic target, it's going to pop a lot more. It's really going to stand out from the brown uh, berm that's behind it. Uh, if you're out, you know, when I'm out hunting or anything like that, like this deer, this season deer hunting, I was out there with my, um, my hunter's HD golds on and I was out able, actually able to hunt, uh, and look through my lens a little longer than I typically, typically can through my optic. Well, these glasses, so, uh, I don't competitively shoot, but I hunt all the time and I pheasant on a lot and you told me to try these glasses out. So I, so I put them on and immediately, uh, the, the, the hardest, I think the hardest thing was to get used to the look of wearing glasses. Go to that, you go to that cam right there, Dan, we got to replace battery here. But the hardest thing I think like my buddy's like, Oh, you got the, you got the shooting glasses on, huh? Like that's <laughs> to me, like that's the hardest part about them. Otherwise, uh, the first day I put them on, and I took them pheasant hunting and it was a bright sunny day and I've got, I've got videos of it. Maybe we'll try to edit some videos into this, but, um, I'm walking around with them on and I like to hunt with glasses on when I pheasant hunt, I like to pheasant hunt with glasses on no matter what, because I end up in real thick cover and I'm getting poked in the eye. I'm getting cattails up the nose. I like to have some eye protection. Now the problem you run into is on a cloudy day or when, when the light is fading, later in the day there, uh, sometimes it gets to be too dark uh, to wear sunglasses. So I'm walking around with these glasses and I'm filming myself and I'm doing a review. I'm thinking I'm being all cool. And <clears throat> all of a sudden I look, I didn't even realize they were transition glasses. So yeah. <laughs> when I put them on, they look like this. And then after walking around in the bright sunshine for a little bit, they were dark and it just looked like a regular pair of sunglasses, which I think is, is, awesome and then as the as the daylight faded they start to transition back so like your your level of visibility the brightness doesn't really change it like the glasses change and transition as the light transitions throughout the day so i was like oh my gosh these are great because i will wear them right up to 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 sunset when i'm pheasant hunting when it's starting to get pretty dark out and i'll be looking through these and it's actually still pretty bright out and then i'll take them off and i'll, and I'll be like oh that's a it's pretty dark out you know so yeah. i'm i'm really impressed actually with uh with how these have helped me see better in afternoon pheasant hunts and protect my eyes at the same time 
Yeah, they're cool. And that whole hunting thing is uh, Brian Connolly, the founder of Hunters HD Gold. That's how it started. He was out deer hunting, and he was like, you know, it's uh, it's getting really dark, but you know, I I know that with with uh, my my Tribex lens, they allow him more light. So he actually put some of those on, saw there was more light. Then he went back to the lab, and he was like a a mad scientist messing with all these different dyes that would transition everything. That's how he came up with the gold. And he started using them for hunting and he wasn't even advertising them. He had a friend come hunting with him. He let the friend use them. And his friend took a, took a really nice buck one night. And he was like, Oh man, I, I probably wouldn't have been able to really see what that was with, without these, uh, these lenses. And then everything just kind of blew up there. And of course, you know, the competition world kind of jumps on it right away. Uh, because you know, we go shoot a match and we're $3,000 into a match. We want to ha- have every advantage possible. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, really, really where those, those took off and came into play. Well, again, I, if nothing else, I like having protection and I, I don't know, I don't know if there's truth to it or not, but I have blue eyes and I've heard that blue eyes can be more sensitive to bright, sunny days. So I wear, I wear sunglasses on cloudy days half the time anyway and the problem I find that I have is that my sunglasses are generally too dark a lot of times on cloudy days. So then I find myself taking them off and then I got poked in the eye deer hunting a couple of years ago, uh, you know, right at sunset. In fact, I think I was tracking a deer that I shot and I was walking through some willows and I got, po- I thought my, I thought I poked my eyeball out. Like it was, it was painful. Yeah. And uh, ever since that day, I've told myself I'm going to wear, I'm going to try to wear sunglasses as often as I can, as much as possible. And uh, so to me, like I, I preach uh, wearing hearing protection. If you're shooting guns competitively, trap shooting, hunting, I know some guys don't like to do it when they're hunting because they like to hear things. So a lot of times I'll, I'll put a, I'll, you know, I'll put, um, I'll put one plug in my left ear and I'll leave my right ear open a lot of times, uh, which I don't necessarily recommend doing, but it allows me to be able to hear it protects my most vulnerable ear just a little bit. But as much as I preach hearing protection, I'm, I'm going to start preaching eye, eye protection just as much because uh, honestly, your vision is pretty important. And um, whether, you know, it's yeah. powder burns or twigs and branches, cattails or whatever, it's pretty important to protect those eyes. So I, I'm a fan yeah. of these glasses, man. I'm trying to find this video. Awesome. I'll see yeah. if I can find it. But So the cool thing about it is, is I'll wear these sunglasses. Like I'll walk out of the house and I have them on already because I can see inside with them. I walk outside, get my car, I drive to the range, get out at the range, grab all my gear, put my gun, uh, you know, my gun belt on and everything, and I'll start shooting. And I, I won't even realize that uh, I've had the same gla- pair of glasses on all day just because they're auto-transitioning, and it, it's great. I, I was looking at photos uh, and video from the last match I was at, and um, – I, I literally forgot that I had them on because <laughs> it was cloudy. Then it wasn't cloudy depending on where we were shooting and they're great. They just keep, you know, they kind of do everything for you and, and take a lot of workout. And I always like to talk to people. I'm like, you know, I'm going to drop uh, $400, $500, let's say for the average deer hunter, maybe uh, into, into an optic or, you know, into optic on my rifle. And then if I am wearing safety glasses, I'm picking up some glasses from Walmart. They're like $3. Well, I, I literally just took everything I wanted to buy in that optic, which is the glass of that optic. I just took that all away from it because I'm trying to look through a $3 pair of clear lenses before I get to the actual glass of my optic. So I'd rather have glass that's better on my face than go to look into the optic. So I'm going to get my money out of that optic. So 
explain how this are all. So if you get lenses from Hunter, Hunter's HD Gold, are they all transition like that or is there different options? So you can do a couple different things. My wife doesn't want her glasses to transition at all. So she okay. just has straight up clear prescription lenses that you would wear uh, if you need, you know, if you need contacts or glasses. Uh, then you can go into the clears that will transition. You can get, uh, you can get them polarized if you'd like. So the deal is, is Hunter's HD Gold is actually owned by a company called Optical Prescription Lab, which is Brian is him and his wife own OPL. And uh, so, you know, Hunterization goes just like a subsidiary of OPL, but they're, they're one of, they are like the last independent lens manufacturer for everybody out there getting bifocals or prescription lenses. They're one of the last manufacturers out there producing these for them. So that's really their whole thing is where that came from is that they're, they're making prescriptions for people. And they've now come out to this, this line that's great for hunters, which is the gold. We've got a Ruby, which is a, you know, we call it Ruby, but a lot of people are like, well, it's red. Yeah. So it's, it's Ruby, but it does the same thing that your glasses are doing. Um, we're working on, I got a pair right now that I wanted something that was, uh, a little bit more lifestyle like, so I can go from the range to uh, an event with my wife at her work and I'm not changing glasses or anything like that. And I, I, I'm not a fan of people being able to see my eyes. So we're working on a, a new lens right now that uh, I've got the, a custom pair of. I've changed the lenses twice on them now because we keep trying to fine tune that. We use an, we actually use a medical dye. So if anybody has seizures or strokes, like, you know, from watching TV or bright lights or anything like that, he uses a medical dye and the, the golds, the rubies, and the, the ones that we're kind of playing around with now. Um, and, you know, and the ones we're playing around with now, I actually think they're going to be really great for people that are out there fishing. You know, they like to have the polos lenses. It helps them mm -hmm. in, with, you know, looking in the water. So we're, uh, we're working on those and, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with them, but just like, you know, I've, I've got my golds here. I wore my golds to work today. Um, and you know, so you can get them in, um, you can call right into Hunter's HD gold, get a frame, pick out a frame that he has and he'll put the lens in there. Or if you are like me and you like certain frames, you can buy that frame, send him that frame. He'll cut the lenses for you and get them back to you. And the turnaround time on that, if you send your frames in, the turnaround time on that's about two days. With, you know, he'll have, he'll have your lenses cut and, and put in your frames and sent to you in about two days. So depending on where you're at and shipping and everything, it usually takes about a week turnaround time, which you can't really get that anywhere else. So I have a red-green color blindness. So if you guys decide you want to start, try to develop some lenses to help out, you know, for blood tracking or whatever, help guys out with the red, green colorblind, uh, situation, let me know. I can maybe help you test out some, <laughs> test out some products. Cause that's so, always one of the hardest things for me is, uh, after shooting a deer, trying to track it, track a deer. So the rubies, um, they're really designed so that, uh, the orange of the clay will pop really hard, right? The contrast oh, of that pops hard. But also, but also red and green pops really hard because a lot of people are running either a green uh, fiber optic or a red fiber optic on the front of their shotgun. So both of those pop. And that's why we're seeing a lot of guys that shoot red dots on their pistol have actually moved to rubies because that red dot in their, their, uh, their red dot really pops hard. The contrast really pops hard. So uh, the ruby, though they are a little darker, it might be something that you would really like when you're out there uh, trying to blood track. Yeah, well, look at that. Somebody even commented on this picture. Uh, I may be biased since I'm colorblind, but I prefer the ruby lenses. I improved my score on an, 
uh, uh, colorblind test from, I don't know how to say that, eight, from 8 to 20, 824 to 18 to 24. So um, huh, I might have to try out some of those Ruby ones too. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I like these too uh, for pheasant hunting particularly, and I pheasant on every day. Um, they've been great. You know, I'd like to have sunglasses to, for the brightness of the day, but I still want to have eye protection as the sun goes down and uh, the transition lenses give me that. So uh, I'm a fan, man. These are nice. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. All right. Well, Dustin, why don't you run through uh, where we can find uh, Hunter's HD Gold, uh, Real Avid, everything that you're doing where we can uh, follow, <laughs> follow along with you. We might be here for another hour. <laughs> But uh, run it yeah, down for yeah, us. The, the e easiest way is just to call me and I'll tell you where to go. Uh, now, we've got uh, Hunter's HD Gold is at huntershdgold.com. Uh, we also have Hunter's HD Gold at IG and Facebook. You can find, find Hunter's HD Gold, all that stuff there. Real Avid is going to be at realavid.com. Um, we have Real Avid uh, at Instagram, you know, on IG. Uh, that that is funny. Our Real Avid IG, we kind of shut it down for a year because we are like – with COVID and everything, we've been so busy, but we're actually bringing that back, so we're going to be a lot more active on there. Hmm. Uh, as for myself, it is uh, 2A underscore Dustin, I believe. Is that what that says on there? Yep, so 2A yeah. underscore Dustin. Uh, that's on IG. You can find me there. Uh, I think that's it, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think. I, I mean, there's. I, I'm involved in so many other things, but those are the main three places where um, you can find stuff that you're looking for and do things like that. You bet. Well, uh, keep up the good work, man. Thanks for the time today. If you want to come out and do some pheasant hunting, let me know. And uh, thanks for the time today on the show. Yeah, man, I have to say, I'm actually jealous. Like, I shoot guns all the time, but I don't get to go out and hunt all the time. So when I see your feed, I, I, I think I'm just going to just stop unfollowing you. So I wouldn't, get all <laughs> mad. I wouldn't be mad that you're out there in the outdoors hunting all the time time and i'm sitting behind the computer working so well believe me i spent a lot of time behind the computer too but uh yeah anytime you want to go man you just let me know yeah no i'd love to it sounds great man dustin sanchez thanks for the time today and uh are, are you doing are you're doing what's the next show you're doing shot show yeah yeah we're we're prepping 100 percent for shot show we uh for here at real lab we gotta get all of our stuff shipped out and crates in the next uh three weeks and we're doing industry day. And then of course we're going to have shot show. So uh, I just brought on two new guys to be pro staff. I'm going to sit here. Mm. I'm going to be spending a lot of Saturdays here till show uh, shot show, really training these guys. So they have all the information we need. And then, you know, we hit shot show. And then after that, I don't know what, what shows next. My I think right now I looked at, it, I'm going to be gone 36 uh, weekends next yes. year for sure. Between <laughs> competition shooting and, and uh, trade shows. Well, I'm glad SHOT Show is still happening. I know uh, there's some uh, shows that I was scheduled to be at that got canceled again this year. Uh, some of that, like the All Canada shows, they've canceled this year, and I'm sure it's due to border COVID stuff yet. But um, SHOT Show, I've been to SHOT Show. I might try to get down there for SHOT Show yet this year. I don't know, or, you know, in January. I don't know if I'll make it or not, but uh, I went a few years ago, and Dustin, I was disappointed that I didn't make it to Range Day. Because that's where I hear all the fun. That's where all the fun happens. Yeah. Um, if I could just go to range day and not work, <laughs> right? <laughs> not work a booth, I'd be, I'd, I'd be happy. Now, range day is great, right? You know, this year they have over 100 vendors set up right now. They're going to be on the firing line. Uh, so you can go out there, test a bunch of firearms, shoot a bunch of stuff. Uh, and then you've got just like we're, non, we're not, we're like uh, non-shooting vendors, but we're going to have everything set up so you can come by, test all of our products, look at everything. We're going to have our entire line there. 
Uh, and then, you know, for the market, you know, for media and people like that, it's just a great way to get out Mar- and, uh, you know, kind of meet new people, network, network and do things like that. Yeah, it, it's, it's a good time. It, it really is. It's a, it's a lot of work. But I think when you sit back and you look at it, it it's a great time. Absolutely. What, what last question for you, uh, whether it was at range yeah. day or somewhere else, what's the coolest gun you've gotten to shoot? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's um, been so many. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, like, I think, I think the dream, the dream gun that I want to shoot is a suppressed LP seven. Uh, that's just, they're, they're hard to find. They're hard to come by. So you've got to know somebody. I know where one is, but they're not a big fan of, of taking that out to shoot it. They're actually, it's actually here in Minnesota. Uh, mm. yeah, yeah. They, that shop, that place has, uh, the largest, um, library of firearms outside of like some museums and stuff like that. And it's oh, all wow. private collection, but yeah, they've got a suppressed 240 in there as well. So, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I'd say like my green gun to shoot would be a suppressed MP7. Other than that, you know, I've got a Barrett. I like to shoot my Barrett when I can get out and shoot it. Even I think some of that is like you shoot a thousand yards, it still is loud and big and boom and whatever you shoot is destroyed. And then the fact of, you know, you're like eight, nine dollars a shot, always kind of like, oh, that was awesome. And then like until you shoot like five shots and you're like, okay, I'm broke now. I could have put all that into some... <laughs> Nine millimeter or something like that. So, but that's that's any gun right now. I looked at some shotgun shells. Yeah. I saw what TSS was seventy five bucks a, a a box now or something like that. That's crazy. Yeah, but that's the way yeah, it is. That'll I, come back. I down. saw. Yeah, I saw some uh, fifty five grain uh, two two three the other day for seventy seven cents a round, and I was mm. like, oh, I was like, I. I, I'll shoot it, right? I'm going to shoot it, but it's still just one of those deals where you're like, ah, oh, this is this is really expensive. But it's gonna yeah, I don't know. I think my, my my favorite gun to shoot is probably my everyday carry pistol. To be honest with you, uh, I'll shoot that in competition a lot now. Um, it's just a blast. I really was like that, it. So you showed us. Was that really your everyday carry pistol that you showed us earlier? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, where like, do it, you, it really is. You carry it in a backpack? <laughs> no, look. So. Here's my uh, my holster here. So uh, this is a tenacore holster, um, and it's appendix carry. So I just I just throw that on, and uh, it took a while. It took a while to find a holster that I liked for it that was I was comfortable with. I mm-hmm. uh, found that guy, and yeah, I I carry it every day uh, in my car. Um, it used to get uncomfortable. I had to mess around with the clips a little bit more, but yeah, I I carry that every day. I bought holsters for it that will run that will work, so I can shoot competition with it. And um, I do the most. But now, my competition pistol is almost identical to this one. It's just half an inch longer with the barrel. But they're made by the same company. They run the same mags. I've got the same trigger, the same sight, same safeties in them. So, yeah. Well, nice to go with a gun that you know and, and uh, have, have shot hey, many I, times. I tell everybody, if I ever – I never want to, right? I, I never want to. But if I ever had to, uh, to use this – Every projectile that leaves my firearm has my lawyer's number attached to it. Uh, so I'd rather shoot a firearm that I, I know, that I trust. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like I said, I never want to be in that situation. I tell everybody I never want to be in that situation. But I, uh, yeah, it, it's, I feel better knowing that I can hit, a, hit an 8-inch steel target with this thing all day long at 50 yards 
makes me feel a little bit more comfortable that if, within a seven foot range, I'm not going to shoot my daughter if she's in the house because somebody broke into my house with a firearm. I think that is uh, actually really good advice is with and with more and more people buying firearms right now uh, for self, you know, self-defense for protection, whether it's a carry pistol or or uh, long gun, whatever. Get to know that gun. Practice with yeah. it, shoot it, go to the range, know how it works, be able to break it down, put it back together, fix it, clean it, understand it so that if that day that nobody ever wants to come actually comes and you have to use it for protection, you know exactly how to use every single part of that firearm. You have intimate knowledge of its, uh, of its working. So anyway. Yeah, I took my uh, took my wife to the range a couple of weeks ago. She used to shoot with me all the time. Her schedule's been busy, so she hasn't shot her everyday carry pistol in a while. And I said, you should shoot it. She was like, oh, I don't want to shoot it. I'm like, you need to shoot it. So, you know, I put her at 25 yards because that's where she was hitting last time. She shot a huge group, very disappointed. I move her in. We do a couple of drills, and we had to hone her back in. And on the way home, she's like, you know, she's like, you get on to me for not actually practicing with my firearm. She's like, and I – Sometimes I just kind of blow it off of like, hey, I know the techniques. I know the, you know, I know the fundamentals of a firearm. I, I should be fine if I go six months without shooting it. Uh, and, and I, you know, I tell people when it comes to shooting a pistol, your everyday carry pistol, that skill is, is uh, you know, that, that skill, not shooting or, or at least doing dry fire with that firearm will diminish. It's, it's the fastest diminishing skill when it comes to a firearm is with your pistol. So if you don't have money to put into shooting any other type of competition or anything. I say at least try to get a box of ammo and try to shoot that box of ammo once a month. And you're not shooting for speed. Put a, put a small uh, drill together where maybe you're drawn from the holster and you're just taking one shot, right? And so you start out slow, draw from the holster, you punch out, you take one shot on a small target, you're working on accuracy. And when you get to the last, you know, 10 rounds, you really start to speed that up just so you have that familiarity with the firearm. It's an important, it's an important uh, uh, lesson to learn. It's, a, it's an important skill to know, especially I think it, it's becoming more and more important these days. Um, good advice. Dustin, Dustin Sanchez, appreciate the time today on the show and uh, have, fun, have fun in Vegas. Yeah, I will, man. Thanks for having me on the show. It was good. And uh, keep, keep, even though I don't like it, keep posting your videos and <laughs> pictures of you hunting. I'll just sit in my office and be jealous. And then I'll start sending you pictures when I'm in, you know, New Mexico and watching all these beautiful animals run by that I can't shoot. There you go. <laughs> sounds like a good, sounds Bye, like a deal. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. This has been the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast, part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts or visit us at findingfurandfeathers.com. Black Caparl is one of Minnesota's premier waterfall hunting locations with 50 to 100,000 geese staging annually. And Mid-Migration Outfitters offers guided duck and goose hunting around the Lacparle area. Call now to book your hunt or visit MidMigrationOutfitters.com. That's MidMigrationOutfitters.com. That's MidMigrationOutfitters.com for guided duck and goose hunting around the Lacparle area in western Minnesota.